Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The Lord Jesus Christ emphasized over and over again to his disciples and to the crowds that thronged him that the way to heaven was not a religious free-for-all. It was not, we'll all reach heaven someday as long as we are sincere in whatever we believe. It was not, there are many ways to God, just follow a path that works for you. No, my friend, Christ was very adamant. Listen to his forceful words from Luke chapter 13. In answer to his disciples' question, about the possibility of being saved. He said, Strive to enter in at the narrow gate, for many will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. Shall not be able. Why is this? Simply because they have not come God's way, through his only begotten Son, through the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. Only Christ can take away sin through his sacrificial death on Calvary. And there are many obstacles. That's why he stressed that you must strive to enter in at the right door. There's an enemy that wants you to take a different route. Don't settle for good-sounding philosophies or feel-good religion. Be sure you have Christ. Speaker David Hurley explains. We'll open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 13. And we're going to read at verse number 23. The Lord Jesus has been asking questions, and he's asking them, what do they think the kingdom of God is like. If you were going to be faced with the kingdom of God, would you know what to expect? Would you know what it looked like? Would you recognize the kingdom of God if you saw it? Just as we begin to read, can I just ask you, do you want to be saved? I'd like to know your sins are forgiven. Would you like to know that if you died, you would go to heaven? What do you think it looks like? If you were faced with it, would you recognize it? How does it happen? Well, the Lord Jesus is asking, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? He says, what's it like? What does it look like? He gives a couple of examples of something very small, a grain of mustard seed. And who would ever guess that something so small as a grain of mustard seed would grow into something so big? Or who would ever think, I'm not sure if any of you ladies will make bread or not. I come from Prince Edward Island, and... You know, we're a bit laid back. We're old-fashioned. Can you believe it? My wife still actually makes bread, six or so loaves at a time. And maybe she does because I kind of kind of pestered her until she mastered the air. Because when you're raised with homemade bread, it's an awful nice thing to have. It's wonderful. And I've got a wonderful wife. But I have watched so many times as you take something so small, the yeast, and then who would ever guess that something so small and hard-looking as those dry little yeast balls... What you call, I don't know how, what you even call them, the little balls of yeast, would make that bread begin to grow. Now, the Lord Jesus and others in the Bible use that illustration, really, of things that are fleshly and things that are inflated beyond their size related to us. Because we so are so likely to do that. We're so likely to inflate ourselves. But the Lord Jesus is using it in a different context here. He says, 
The kingdom of God actually has a very small beginning. When you see the kingdom of God, look for something very small. And don't be mistaken, it'll turn into something very big. Now look at this now in verse number 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive. And of course, that is a command. It could be read, you strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and is shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then ye shall begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say unto you, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. All of those men exercised faith. They looked at something very small and they understood it to be very big because God was the one who had authored it and who was speaking of it. So they would see all of them in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. Who would ever guess that with so many people individually having a moment when they trusted Christ? Who would ever think that something that doesn't happen with the masses, it happens one by one by one, that this could be said of it. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God and behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. And just tonight I would like to think about how to get to God. How do you approach to God? Well, of course, as we know, the way to God was blocked. 6,000 years ago, the way to God was blocked. Mankind, Adam and Eve, that represented all of the human race at that time, was expelled from the Garden of Eden. That place that had been made by God. And then they were driven out from it because of sin. And God placed a flaming sword to keep the way of the tree of life so that men could no longer go back in. There was a separation. That separation was still in place when Isaiah was alive and well and taking his pen and writing up on the parchment. And he said, your sins have separated between you and your God. The terminology, the picture word form is of, of a massive curtain that God has placed, of a wall that God instantly built to keep mankind out of his presence. For this reason, God is a holy God. God is a God who cannot allow sin to be in his presence. And he must have a separation between himself and sin. So he has built a wall. He has built a curtain. He has built a separation so that there is no longer that free communion. There is no longer that passing between God and men back and forth. Men cannot approach back to God of their own power and by their own efforts. It took one to come from God to where we were to bring mankind back. So that tonight, if you are wondering why it is that when you sometimes you need to pray and you are not conscious, are my prayers going anywhere? Or maybe as you get down beside your bed at night, if you actually still do this, if you have been in the habit of saying your prayers and you are not conscious that your prayers are going anywhere, you have no right to believe that they are actually reaching heaven. Maybe you have sometimes wondered, are my prayers reaching any higher than the ceiling? Well, then I would simply have to ask, 
Is there a moment when you came to know God? Is there a moment when you went through that wall? When you found a way to approach to God with sin removed? Because God will not hear your prayers if you still have your sins. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect to pray to God. Not at all. If you followed me around, you wouldn't be too long before you understood that David Hurley High is not perfect. But I'll tell you what I am. I'm forgiven. My sins are all forgiven. And sure, when I come into the presence of God, I do confess my sins. The sins that, that come so easily to me, I confess them. And I know they are forgiven because the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And sins can be removed because the Lord Jesus died for sin. And he died in my place. Me, the sinner, Christ died for me. And I, there was a moment when I realized it. And I wonder if you've got a moment like that. Ever have a moment when you realized With whatever other problems I may have in life, I'll never have to worry about where my sins will take me because my sins are gone. You see, the Lord Jesus was speaking about a doorway. There was a man that was following and he was listening to what the Lord Jesus said. And there is something he seems to have picked up, that the Lord Jesus had come from heaven on a rescue mission. He had come to provide a deliverance that the human race could not provide for themselves. And he picked up that word for rescue or deliver. And he says, Lord, are there few that are rescued? Are there few that are saved? Are there few that are delivered from their sins? The Lord Jesus has been just speaking about how something so small can develop into something so big. And this man asks him, is the kingdom of God really a small thing? Is there only a few that will ever be in heaven? Maybe he was asking, well... If I were to go in for this deliverance, this salvation, would I be in the minority? I don't know why we're so afraid of the minority. Why are we so afraid of just being a little bit different? I mean, after all, if, if you had been on the deck of the Titanic, would you have rathered be amongst those that were on the lifeboat or those that went down on a sinking ship because they refused to respond to the abandoned ship? Because they thought that boat was unsinkable. They thought that it could not go down. And they went with their mindset. They went with their thinking. And they were lost. Afraid to be the first to run for the lifeboat. Would it really matter? 20 minutes after the Titanic dipped below the surface. Would it really matter which was the minority? Or would you say, I don't care if there was only one person in the lifeboat. As long as it was me. Do you know what the Lord Jesus said? He never really answered the man's question in this passage. He did in other places. But he never really answered the man's question, are there few that be saved? Because he took the man effectively away from the issue of majority and minority. And he just says this, never you mind what the rest of the people are doing. He says, you strive to enter in. And he used a word that we're all very familiar with. He says, you strive to enter in at the straight gate, the narrow gate. It's really a doorway, isn't it? So that's really what I'm thinking about tonight is this doorway. It is of ultimate importance because, you know, I've seen a few houses. I have never yet seen a house that is full of doors. Mostly there's a front door and a back door, and maybe there's one in the garage, and you might have one or two or three doors, but I've never seen a house with as many doors as windows. When it comes to God's house, when it comes to God's kingdom, people somehow seem to believe that God will accept a door anywhere, that as long as you believe and are sincere, that it will work then God will allow you to use an opening that you can make. An opening that you have made with your mind, that some human being has dreamed up, and and they have thought, well, I think this will work. So somehow God will operate on the basis of that and accept you. No, no, you see, it's the person who owns the house, who designs the house. They decide about the door. 
And when it comes to the kingdom of God, the house of God, it's God that has decided on the way back to him. You remember that wall we're speaking about, that curtain? Can't you visualize it? A division, a separation to keep the sinner away from God. God, in his kindness and his mercy, at tremendous cost to himself, has opened a door, an opening, a gateway, so that those that are on the outside, they can get through that division and into the presence of God. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be delivered. The Lord Jesus goes on as only he could and as only he would know. And he says there's a day coming when there will be those and they'll be on the outside of the door. And no longer will they be able to find the door. Suddenly the door that once they saw, once that they sort of understood was in the Bible, suddenly they begin to look for it from the Bible and they won't be able to find it. Christians' children that memorized John 3.16 and they heard of myriads of people who were saved through John 3.16 suddenly will literally take that verse apart looking for some opportunity looking for some way they could be saved. And there'll be no door, no opening, no opportunity whatsoever to reach God. Do you know why? Because God will have shut to the door. God has opened the door, and he will shut to the door. So tonight, all that really is important in this city and in this gathering and in your life is this. In light of eternity that is much longer than your lifetime, is have you ever went through the door? Are you saved? Have you gone through into the place of safety and security and eternal shelter through what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on the cross? You say, who are you to prioritize my life for me? I'm not, but the Lord Jesus is. He said to this man, without going into his background, without going into his religious system or his belief system at all, he said, listen, man, there's only one thing that matters. There is one door to approach God, and you just see that you are through that door. Forget everything else, man. Forget about the job. Forget about family. God values family. But you can't take family with you. They've got to go through one at a time. One at a time. I'm so glad to see that often when God reaches in and saves someone in the family, he often doesn't stop till the whole family is saved. If they're willing to go through the door. And here was a man and he heard this. You enter in at the straight gate. Because the day is going to come when many will seek to in and they won't be able. So tonight, at the risk of being repetitious, I'm going to ask you again, without being offensive, but just just simply, just stop and think about it. Has there been a moment when you were saved, when you entered in to the kingdom of God? It's all important. It's more important than anything else you will find in the news, that you will find in your daytimer, or in anything that will come into your pathway in life. This is the priority. You strive to enter in at the straight gate. We have it from the lips of the Lord Jesus. So when it comes to this door, I would like to think, first of all, of the struggles of the door. Because the Lord Jesus said there are struggles associated with this door. Do you know who first struggled with this door? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I don't really... It's kind of ironic, isn't it, that I'm preaching the gospel and I have to leave home sometimes because... I don't like leaving home. I really don't. If I had my way now, I would be in my happy spot, in my living room with my wife and children, in my little chair in the corner that I like, or down in my study, or sitting in the seat of the little Kubota tractor that's my sister's and mine that I have to use to haul firewood and all the rest of it. There are things that are at home that I like, and that is where I am most comfortable. Do you think it was any different for the Lord Jesus? 
Heaven is a wonderful place. Can you imagine leaving the comforts of your house to go live on the streets without a home? Struggling the way some of those homeless people struggle just to get through life? Can you imagine what it would be like to leave your happy cocoon to live there? Not for a day, not for a week, not for a month, but for 33 years to leave your home so that you could benefit somebody else. You may be very committed to the cause of homelessness. You may be very committed to the causes of humanity. But can you imagine what it would be like to make that kind of sacrifice? That constantly as you go through the days, especially in particular, the last three or so years of your life, that constantly as you went through those days, you would rise before the sun was up and you would maybe go away to a mountain just to get a little bit of solitude, just to spend a few minutes with your father. And then as the sun would rise, people would begin to come to you and constantly you would be bombarded with the problems of others. And you with a perfect knowledge, as he had, of what it could have been, of what it was really like before mankind, Adam and Eve, made the choice to leave God and to turn away from God before ever that wall was built. And constantly to be bombarded with the problems of others and always have to be dishing out, always have to be solving the problems of others. Can you imagine what it would be like to deprive yourself of food constantly, of travel by a way that was not necessary for you to go at the expense that you would become wearied and thirstied with your journey just so that you could be at noon hour at the hottest time of the day when no one else would even think of going to the well because it's just too hot just so you could meet a woman there who had a problem and sit there and wait for her to come while your disciples go away just to buy a little bit of food. Can you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like to be hounded, to have those that were the religious and smart ones of the day to be approaching you and always trying to trip you up with their words, laying trap questions for you. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a perfect knowledge of the future and know that while this life was a life of sacrifice, there was a death that was coming that was going to be so difficult, so violent, so horrible. God was going to take the punishment that others deserved and heap it upon you. And your own friends were going to turn away from you and leave you. And you were going to die capital punishment. You were going to be executed for crimes you never did. I suggest to you, without fear of contradiction, that nobody has struggled with this door the way the Lord Jesus did. So committed to the cause of humanity, he was willing at great cost to himself, the cost of his own life, to come into the world and suffer and bleed and die so there would be a doorway for you to go through, so there would be an entrance to God. It's over the top, isn't it? Nobody has struggled with this door the way the Lord Jesus did. He died to make this door. He suffered so this door could be opened because that was what the cost of our sin was worthy of. But not only does the Lord Jesus struggle, there are people in this world and they struggle with this door. Do you know why? Because they have been taught one thing. And now the Bible says something else. And they struggle with that, having to let go of it and to believe the Bible. And others struggle with it because they can't seem to understand how something so simple, something so helpless feeling could actually save them. Just a letting go, just a resting upon someone else that you cannot see. Just believing a Bible that was written so long ago that that could be the way of salvation. Humanity struggles with this door. Maybe there's someone in this meeting tonight 
and you are struggling with this door. You would like to be saved, but you can't see it. You can't understand it. God is not asking you to understand it. He's simply asking you to take a look at his character. Take a look at a God who cannot lie, who has made promise upon promise upon promise that Christ died for the ungodly, that your sins can be absolutely removed, that Christ suffered for them all, that he won't hold you accountable either today or in a future day for your own sins, that a substitute died for you. He says, just rest upon it. Just, Just come. Just believe me. And yet for some people, because they can't see it, they won't believe it. I wonder if there's someone here tonight just simple enough to take God at his word. Say, yes, I've struggled with this door. But the options are not pleasant. To miss this door is to struggle in a future day to find it and not to be able to find it. Because the Savior struggled with this door. Millions of human beings have struggled with it. And yet there are millions more that will struggle with it in the future when it won't be available. Which will it be for you? You know what the Savior said? He said, strive to enter in. The door is there. Passing through it is the easiest thing that will ever happen to you in life. But the difficulty is reaching it. The difficulty is letting go of the things of earth. The difficulty is letting go of wrong belief systems that a cruel enemy inserts into your mind, that world thinking inserts in reaching the door, clambering your way around and through and under and over obstacles that Satan will place in your way just so you will think there's no door. But God says there is a door. And he says, you go through it tonight. You see that this is the top thing in your life. Go through it. Because if you don't go through this door, you will struggle with it and never find it. You will gnash your teeth in a place that burneth with fire and brimstone in hell because you missed the door. Never to be opened again. Never to be seen again by another soul. Just for this day of grace. Just tonight, while we're here, this door is open for you. And the Savior says, strive. Know what he's really saying? Whatever you have to let go of, you do not stop until you are inside the door. It's small. It's simple. And you might wonder, how could something so small turn into something so big? That's what amazes me. Through the truth of Romans 5 and 6, I went through the door. Christ died for the ungodly. And in some simple way, I understood that was me. He died for me. You know what amazes me now? How could I enter into something so big through an experience that was so small? The Bible supports it. And I'm resting upon what God says. And it depends on what the Lord Jesus did. And you could be saved. You strive to enter in the straight gate. Don't stop until you're in. Yes, there is a gate, a doorway to heaven. Have you found it? Well, that is why we have these gospel messages on Anchor Point, because you can find it. Indeed, you must find it. And it's all laid out clearly and plainly in the gospel message. Jesus Christ is the door. He has provided the way to salvation. He has already died to take care of the problem and penalty of our sins. Won't you trust him today as your Savior to take your sins away? Don't stop short, my friend. Go in for God's salvation with your whole heart. You'll find a Savior waiting to bless you. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line 
at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.